All right, a great episode of Side Retired, the MLB podcast coming at you guys today. Continuing with our top 10s, we finally made it to the end of our journey with the top 10 right fielders. So James, let's hit the intro music and we will get right into this. Hello and welcome to this edition of Side Retired, the MLB podcast, our last position player. I misspoke earlier, position for the top 10 of the MLB season entering 2023. James, Jack, it's been a while since the three of us have been on an episode together. How are you guys doing? uh, Good to be back. The trio has not been, as you mentioned, fully assembled quite often, but uh, hopefully some chaos and uh, chemistry is both brewing, and uh, it should be a very star-studded and popular, but also heavily debated uh, position list. I think when we do these top 10 positions, there's sort of a theme that goes along with each position. Right field, there's a stacked top six. There's a clear middle tier of seven through nine. And then one of us threw in, or at least all of us threw in this sort of breakout rookie projection for the upcoming season as our number nine or 10 slot. Let's continue to do this as we normally do. James, your 10 through one, Jack, your 10 through one, and then my 10 through one, and then we'll break into the actual players. Just sort of just the nice and simple run down your list. James, you got first. Uh, sounds good. Um, of course. Uh, so at number 10, I have Corbin Carroll. Number nine, Teoscar Hernandez. Number eight, George Springer. Number seven, Starling Marte. Number six, Fernando Tatis Jr. Number five, Kyle Tucker. Number four, Bryce Harper. Number three, Ronald Acuna Jr. Number two, Mookie Betts. And of course, number one, Aaron Judge. Jack, take it away. Uh, Number 10, I got Teoscar. Nine, Corbin Carroll. Eight, Starling Marte. Seven, George Springer. uh, Followed by six, Bryce Harper. Five, Kyle Tucker. uh, Four, Ronald Acuna Jr. Three, Mookie Betts. Two, Fernando Tatis Jr. And number one, unanimous MVP captain of the New York Yankees, Aaron Judge. And then I have Seiya Suzuki at 10, followed by Hernandez, Springer, and Marte 9 through 7, Tatis at 6, Tucker at 5, Acuna at 4, Harper at 3, Betts at 2, and Aaron Judge at number 1. We will say a little disclaimer, Juan Soto is in our left fielders episode. If you haven't checked that out yet, please do so. That'll be why you get, or why you haven't heard him on our top 10, obviously would add even more chaos to this star-studded position if we considered him here. We'll start off at the very top, and as you mentioned, we unanimously have Aaron Judge as our number one. James, I'll come to you first. I know you're a Yankee fan, but was there any consideration to him not being your number one, or was this a very clear, easy number 99 at one? No, that was that was probably the easiest decision of the whole list. All right, Jack, same question. Yes, extremely easy, putting together a dominant offensive performance while also playing elite defense in center mostly center field last year and also right field now fully transitioning to the corner outfield spot with Harrison Bader taking over in center judge provides, you know, elite batted balls, um, ex- excellent command of the strike zone with high walk rates. And then just, you know, masters hits the ball over the fence. Like no one else has since, you know, either they've been, been on juice or played in the 1960s. So just a historic, historic season last year, no reason to have him anywhere less than one. And, and to do so would be simply incorrect and factually um false and then let's also take a quick look at the guys that don't have any controversy around them that are in that upper tier and that is indeed Mookie Betts 
Ronald Acuna and Kyle Tucker, avoiding the other two that are in that elite six for now. And just talking about those three, how did you come to those rankings, Jack? I believe you went Betts, Acuna, Tucker. James, you also went Betts, Acuna, and Tucker out of those three. And then did I go? I did go Betts, Acuna, and Tucker. So unanimous there that we decided that those three, that's the order that we wanted to go. James, I'll come to you first because you had Mookie Betts as your number two. What made him stand out over Acuna and Tucker, and how high are you also on those two young guys? Um, yeah, so Mookie being at two is a pretty simple decision. Um, his defense is elite. Um, he can still obviously swing it. You know, he has a lot of protection in that Dodgers order, so I think, you know, he's always a guarantee to be, you know, top top five, top ten in NL MVP voting. Um, he's going to hit 30 homers. He's going to hit 280, 285 at least. Um, and he's going to play top tier defense. I think a second to judge would be the only person I would have him behind defender wise. Um, so yeah, I mean that's that's why I have him at number two. He's he's still Mookie Betts and he's still uh, still in MVP form uh, from from back in his Red Sox days. Jack, your thoughts on those three? Um, I think Betts is the premier defensive outfielder in MLB. Um, he's had to split some time uh, for the first time, you know, a little bit of his career. Um, he hit some of time at second base this year, but primarily outfield. He did rack up, you know, high outs above average and defensive run saved, especially defensive run saved. Loved him over there. Um, offensively, had a pretty, uh, actually, frankly, underrated season. Um, was second overall in war and a 144 WRC plus. So, um, largely overshadowed by the over, like, highly achieving Dodgers team that won, I believe, like 110 games, 112 games. And just, you know, the Freddie Freeman turned in a great year. Um, and it was just surrounded by him, Trey Turner, several other stars who kind of um, also performed. So Mookie kind of flew under the radar a little bit. Um, but he overall, he did have, you know, you can make a borderline MVP caliber season, putting up the near seven war. Um, James kind of touched all the bases. Just talked about why he's been such a consistent player, um, even with despite a low BABIP and uh, um, and around and still performing his expected numbers. He uh, turned in a great offensive season, and when he's doing that, provided with a consistent elite defense, he's going to be a top-of-the-line um, all-star MVP caliber player year in and year out. Should there be any level of concern regarding Ron Lacuna Jr.? Last year was the first year in his career where he didn't have an OPS plus above 120. He was still a very solid major leaguer at 114, but this is definitely not the MVP type of performance that we expected out of a guy like Ronald Acuna especially when looking at a position where you've judged Tatis, Betts, Tucker, Harper, who are all MVP candidates. Any level of concern that maybe Acuna is going to sink into that number six permanently? Or is this just a down year coming off the massive injury? James, I'll come to you first. Uh, no, I think I think you have to look at the fact that, you know, he missed, what, 10, 11, 12 months? I don't know. I, I don't know. He missed a, a ton of months with that injury. Um, obviously, he doesn't have to go through his normal off-season training. Um, you know, he he didn't have, you know, whatever he does every off-season. You know, he he missed all that time. He's trying to get back in a groove. You know, there's all that pressure. You know, they won a World Series without him. Do like, you know what I mean? Like he he's facing all this pressure. Um, and I think now, you know, he'll have his full off-season. He'll go through a normal spring training. You know, it, it's it's back to normal. Um, and I think we'll see the the, the same Ronald Acuna we saw. Uh, back when he was he was a blossoming superstar, um, and and of course I think you have to have him on forty forty watch because he's just that type of player. He's that kind of explosive player, um, and he'll be surrounded by so much talent again this year in Atlanta. 
And then if you want more analysis on Kyle Tucker of the Houston Astros, we talked about him in our extensions episode that James and I did yesterday. If you haven't checked that out, make sure to do so as well. Let's now get to the two controversial guys of where we should rank them or where we shouldn't rank them. That's Fernando Tatis Jr. as well as Bryce Harper. We both or we all three of us found room for them on our list all inside the top six. But I had a Tatis at six. So did James. Instead, Jack had Harper at six and Tatis at two. I had Harper at three. They're obviously really solid Major League Baseball players. Do not get that wrong. But for different reasons, Harper is missing the first half of 2023 with an injury. Tatis is suspended all of April and is coming off of not only two major surgeries, but also a PED suspension. But in both of their cases, the raw talent is legit and real. Bryce Harper has been an MVP in the past. Fernando Tatis Jr., if he hadn't gotten hurt, might have challenged Harper for that MVP a couple of years ago as well. So, Jack, you had Tatis at number two. I assume this means you still think he is an elite, maybe even top five player in the sport. What's your level of concern on the injuries and the suspensions versus knowing that he has the raw talent? I think James Deal also agree with this point that I'm about to make. It would not stun, at least me, if next year we come to this point and Fernando Tatis Jr. is the number one right fielder, if he's still considered a right fielder, there's just very massive concerns with him heading into the season. Jack, take a Yeah, look. Um, just to go back to what like you started that um, the tangent with, you know, to say Fernando Tatis Jr. is a, a solid baseball player, I think is probably the understatement of the century. Um, you know, it's been now going, you know, it's over two years ago, but just to go back to 2021 to, to you know, contextualize, how phenomenal it was. He led the National League with 42 home runs while playing 32 less games than everyone else. He was fantastic both on that. He also had 25 stolen bases, which is slightly under 40 stolen base pace. So James mentioned, you know, 40-40 for Acuna. You certainly could throw Tatis into that barn if he was able to play enough games. Obviously, that's a huge question mark with him. Um, you know, injury concerns are certainly legit and, um, and real for him, you know, but if you're going to make, you know, a position list, and talk about, um, you know, I guess you could go about this in terms of projecting like a war type thing, whether it's literally F or B war or just in terms of overall like runs impacted uh, defensively, offensively on the base paths. Um, you look at projection systems, have Tatis with the adjusted only playing 115, 120 games. He's still ranked as a top five player in baseball, as you said. You would have to rate him as um, to keep him this high on the list. And um, on top of that, he's also projected rate wise to do phenomenally. Um, the you know missing a full month of the season, I think, just given his talent, certainly warrants having him in the top five. I have I have him as top two, just because I do believe he's going to be that good, and so he has a unique ability. I actually look back twenty twenty one. You look lots of players that come up. You know, you see as a Yankee fan, you get pretty accustomed to this one. Someone like Giancarlo Stanton has his you know two or three injury large injury students throughout the year. He comes back. It takes about a month, a week or two to get fully acclimated to major league pitching. Fernando Tatis, that did not happen. Whether or not you want to buy into this kind of coincidence or if it was actually legit, he comes back and he immediately he keeps on pace, doesn't really much from his season averages and throughout the various since he had. Um, the steroids, I think, are legit. You want to see whether his claims, you want to make an indictment on his character. In terms of performance, I just don't see a critique there. Um, one, you want to look, look at the logistically and like, you know, calculate and think about like, you know, thoroughly. MLB was not not testing him for the first three years of his major league career. They just didn't say, all right, let's just pop the needle now, see what's going on with him after he's been putting up elite offensive numbers, never before seen at his age at the shortstop position since Alex Rodriguez. Um, you know, the talent level, just given that he's been this good 
even missing a month of the season, I still think for, he's going to end with year numbers on par with any of these guys. If you wanted to tell me you think you're going to put Mookie Betts above him, I think that's a very fair argument. I wouldn't really hold it against you. But talking about like someone like Ronald Acuna, Harper, who they themselves also have injury concerns, and Kyle Tucker, while an, an excellent player, I could go on and on about why he's been so good had such an underrated season in 2021 and was phenomenal last year as well. It's just not at the skill level where he's putting up numbers that could be um, comparable to Fernando Tatis. James, make the case for your number two, Bryce Harper, and why he should be above guys like Tatis and other players. Or not your number two, but why Bryce Harper is above Kyle Tucker and Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, Yeah, I mean, obviously Harper's going to be missing a lot of this season uh, due to his surgery. Um. But I'm just going to have to give him merit off last year. I mean, the dude was unarguably the best play- player in the postseason this past uh, this past postseason. Um, he dominated. You could very easily make the case that he carried the Phillies to the World Series. I mean, every time the Phillies seemed to need a clutch hit or, or, or something to push him over the top, Harper was the guy. Um, you know, he brought the energy to Philadelphia. He, he absolutely set Philadelphia into a frenzy in game three of the World Series uh, with that homer off the colors. Um, but yeah, I think, obviously, I, I don't think Harper will even play defense this year. I think he'll still be a DH coming off of the surgery he's getting. Um, but we'll still count him as a right fielder because that's his true position. That's where he'll be back in 2024, which is crazy to say. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, he's, he's unquestionably... Uh, I don't think I'm missing anyone saying this, but I think he is the top left-handed. He is the premier left-handed bat. In, uh, I guess Jordan Alvarez. Yeah, and Soto. But he is a top three left-handed bat in baseball. Um, he absolutely rakes. Um, sure, you could say there's some question marks defensively, but who cares? The guy hits. He's a he's a two-time MVP winner. Um, he's an absolute beast at the plate, and, and who cares when you're going to hit 35, 40 homers a season? Um, it's Bryce Harper. That's just what he does. And I think when you have to think about this position, this isn't like for fantasy baseball. Harper's clearly the sixth, just based on the amount of like value he'll give points wise, projection wise, and everything like that. But if you're talking about a positional power ranking, you can sort of say 81 games of Bryce Harper, while you might not get as many home runs, RBIs, hits as 162 games of Kyle Tucker. When you look at the game per game basis, 81 games of Bryce Harper. I think at least is justified that that's going to be better than 162 of Acuna, 162 of Kyle Tucker. We'll see what Fernando Tatis Jr. again, as we said, he could be one. He could also come back and be horrific. And then he's off the list and everyone claims it's because of the steroid allegations. I don't know which one's more likely. That's why I had him at five and James, you had him at six and Jack, you had him at two. So it seems like he's the one uncertainty in a list of a lot of real certain players. Jack, I do want to come to you to talk about your number seven guy who you had slightly higher than all of us. That's George Springer. Injury concerns are obviously there with him, but he is a premier talent dating back to his time with the Astros and now as a right fielder for the Blue Jays. Yeah, Springer, you know, as you mentioned, some of these other guys, he did play in limited games, not um, terrible, especially considering he was coming off a season where he only play, he played in less than half. 133 games, still put up um, good offensive numbers over a four war, 132 WRC+. plus. Um, slash 267, 342, 472. Um, Springer is definitely a rock of this Blue Jays lineup. He came in as the number one free agent of his class and kind of to be the guy. Since then, Vlad Guerrero has really stepped up to be the uh, the biggest bat in that lineup. But Springer is still a huge, huge integral piece. 
Um, kind of the defensive lapsing in the recent years has shifted him from center to right, but he's still a very potent bat. Uh, he's projected by all systems to be about 30 to 40% better than the average. And then to play on the same rate basis he did, I still th- think that's just a solid formula to repeat the season he had this past year. And, you know, even though he's played limited games, ever since 2018, has been, he's been that 30, 40% better than league average. It's just a matter of how he can stay on the field. He showed last year he could do it for 133 games. I think part of that coincided with the more, uh, the heavier workload in the corner outfield versus having a man center field on a consistent nightly basis. So having that permanent switch now with the, the acquisition of uh, both Dalton Blarshow and Kevin Kiermaier, Springer is going to have much less of time to worry about defensively and to be more focused on being bat-centric, still providing decent corner outfield. Um, I think that's just all going to compile compile together to be just a very, very solid um, all-star level uh, right fielder. And, you know, the, the the numbers say that, like, for the past couple of years and now his projections, though they're all being – you know, very um, consistent and very similar and very close to one another. I just think that all bodes well to be, a, you know, a very solid foundation for Springer to go out and repeat his season that he had last year. I think the guy that probably gets compared really similar to Springer is probably Starling Marte. They're both the veteran guys in that seven to eight range. Marte, just like Springer, is coming off an injury plague season, although he did play 120 games. Marte finished the season with a broken finger. It also came out that he had double core surgery this offseason, which probably accounts for why he stole 47 bases in 2021, and that literally half to 18 in 2022. So I think both these guys, Springer and Marte, are going to be really solid baseball players in the 2023 season. James, I'm going to come to you next to talk about Corbin Carroll, who's a name that most people might not know if they're casual baseball fans. However, you snuck him in your top 10 at number 10. Tell us about the Arizona top prospect. Um, yeah. Um, so Corbin Carroll is a young, fast, you know, just overall great playing uh, rookie. Mm. Uh, I think he'll have he'll have rookie status again next season. I don't think he played enough games in 2022 to um, to lose that. So, yeah, he, I think he's an NL rookie of the year. Um, you know, front runner slash uh, a contender. Um, you know, he had 260 with four homers last year and 104 at bats. You know, was able to compile a 1.2 WAR uh, in only 32 games played. Um, you know, he plays great defense. Um, you know, he has elite top of the top of the line speed. Um, can steal a lot of bases. Um, can hit for power. Can hit for average. You know, he kind of just does it all. Um, you know that he's the reason why the Diamondbacks moved on from Dalton Varsho. Um, so yeah, I know he, he's going to be the main piece of this, of this new young Diamondbacks core that we'll start seeing, uh, come up from the minor leagues. Um, so yeah, it should be really exciting. Um, still don't expect much from the Arizona Diamondbacks. I'm going to come back to it. This is not a contender team. This is not a good team. Um, there will be some bright spots, but this is a 70 win baseball team still. So Diamondbacks fans, please stop saying your team is a contender. All righty, and Jack, take us through your number 10, Teoscar Hernandez. Change of scenery went from the Blue Jays to the Seattle Mariners this offseason, expecting his consistency to probably remain even though he's changing to a new team. Yeah, definitely, I think the the consistency. Um, I think several people were kind of puzzled by this move at first, considering, especially now, after dealing for two more outfielders since this trade, the Blue Jays outfield kind of looks at it is kind of weak out there. Teoscar did put together a very, very solid season, uh, 128 WRC+. A war, though, of just above two, so kind of 
shows why the defense is is uh, holding him back. Still projects to be around like a two, high two, low threes kind of player. So not quite all star level, but a very serviceable and you know good uh, top ten worthy right fielder. Um, very low walk rates and high K rates are kind of the biggest uh, alarming factors. Though he did perform adequately to his uh, his you know and um, pr- proportionally to his expected stats. So that that offensive uh, 25, 30% better than league average should be consistent throughout next year. Um, we'll see, you know, putting together kind of a low AP, low OBP, high slug is uh, what you're getting in Seattle. And as the Mariners look on to repeat that uh, that sudden playoff berth and kind of actually win playoff game this year, uh, Tay Oscar is definitely going to be a big part of that. Um, filling in for what was the role that Jesse Winker was brought in for, seemingly that the Mariners want to have Tay Oscar give a shot as the new everyday right fielder. And then I'll go to round out our top tens. I had Seiya Suzuki, the former rookie of the year, front runner at the beginning of the 2022 season, was injured and missed the sort of latter half of the 2022 season. He did still compile a two war. Isn't great, but isn't horrific. He had a 120 OPS plus. I think now in this Cubs lineup, and again, I'm kind of having this love affair with the Chicago Cubs looking at all my top 10 lists. He's going to be in a stacked solid lineup. He no longer has to be sort of the guy that everything runs around. Instead, he'll probably be the five or six hitter in their order. I could really see Seiya Suzuki no longer in the spotlight in his sophomore season, as opposed to having a sophomore slump. This is where he's going to break out. I'm not going to go as far as saying an all-star season, considering all the guys we have above him. But Seiya Suzuki is going to firmly cement himself in that 8 to 10 range by the end of this upcoming season, which, of course, leads us to. And thank you so much to all our listeners who submitted their hot takes and their list to us to be featured in this episode. James is back. We have time to do shake or rake. I will give you a take from one of our listeners and you have to tell us whether they should shake and it's a horrible take or if we should rake it and it's an absolute home run of a take. The first one comes from our mystery man behind the scenes, David Halpert. And that is that Anthony Santander is not only a top 10 right fielder, he is a top five right fielder ahead of Acuna. Fernando Tatis Jr. and George Springer. I'm just gonna have to shake that one. Uh, not much, not much explanation really needed there. Jack. Um, I don't. Yeah, I definitely will have to shake just because you know we talked about those core six, let alone the rest of the the guys running on my top ten. That I would certainly not put Anthony Santander in the caliber of any of them. But you no, know, it goes to show. Um, this is just a really stacked position, and Anthony Santander. Um, to quote your like terminology, Dylan is just a really, really solid baseball player. Um, he put together a very good season last year. Um, someone, you know, I think if Yankee fans are looking for their pen- potential replacement in left field, I think Santander being a switch hitter who can, you know, hit pretty well, probably la- lacking on the glove side, though, would be a very serviceable replacement there. 120 WRC plus, you know, um, still high exit velo, um, not great defense, but doesn't really walk that much. Doesn't strike out, you know, a terrible amount, but still decently high. But overall, just a solid player, put together a very good offensive season after a pretty poor year in 2021. Looking to build on that and hopefully as the Orioles try to get closer to the playoffs in 2023. OG co-host Henry Kalani says that Mitch Hanniger is a top 10 right fielder in baseball. He's now a member of the San Francisco Giants. Playing time is going to be interesting as they also signed Michael Conforto this offseason. But James, thoughts on Hanniger? Yeah, I mean Hanniger. Um, Hanniger is a pretty, pretty solid player. Um, you know, in the past has shown flashes of power in 2021, 39 home runs, a hundred RBI guy. Um, you know, if he returns to that form, obviously, uh, he's a top ten right fielder. 
Will do I see him ever returning to a thirty-nine home run season, especially in a small park like San Francisco, where it's it's pretty tough to leave the yard that many times? I'm gonna say no. So uh, I'll shake it, but not not a horrible take. I could, I mean, number ten is I could see why you have him there, Jack. Yeah, I think number ten. I mean, lots of us have used that for different kind of projections. So um, I will shake just because you know the binary nature of this question. But, you know, kind of the echo what James said, Hanniger in 2021 put up 39 home runs, but still because of his abysmal walk rate, low contact rate, low OVP, still was only about 20% better than league average. So even more than like he excels his 50th percentile outcome by that much, he still puts together a, you know, kind of slightly above average season. So not really a lot to love there in terms of top 10 caliber, but definitely a solid player. And, you know, the Giants trying to kind of squeeze the best out of nothing for the right field situation following the departure of the, the unanimous number one player for after a seven minute career. So, you know, they certainly, they certainly got a very decent replacement, maybe not on par with, with who they were expecting, but definitely a, a very, very solid player in Hanniger. And then other players that made people's top 10 list that were submitted to us, Andrew McCutcheon, Hunter Renfro and Riley green, any of those three jams that excite you, or is that a hard shake? That's uh, a hard shake. A lot to prove with for Riley Green. Jack. Um, I will have to shake all three. I think Riley Green, probably the best of those three. Got a rookie coming in, um, in a lots of expectations. Um, the, the Tigers really don't have much going for them right now. Lots of their high profile pitching prospects uh, have not really panned out. They won now in on Javi Baez, started to spend some money on him and Eduardo Rodriguez, and both turned in pretty poor. Uh, seasons last year so green um torkelson who came up with had a pretty bad year last year as well also trying to just put together show some glimpses of the future for detroit fans i'm projected to be all right um offensively and uh, defense uh kind of limited um in terms of yeah uh to get though a full workload in mlb this year so if there's anyone who's not listed on our top tens who's here to crack it i would probably put my money on riley green and then I'll round it up by with a group of veteran players that people might have considered in the past or hoping to break back in the list in the future. Do any of these names excite you? We've got Alex Verdugo. We've got Oscar Gonzalez, Max Kepler, Adolis Garcia, Jesse Winker, Will Myers, Michael Conforto, Charlie Blackman, and Lars Newbar. Are any of those names exciting to you? Um, I mean, I feel like Verdugo is always kind of there. Uh, could could put up numbers to be potentially top ten, but other than that, I don't think anyone else on that list uh, really has really really gives me that much excitement. Unless Michael Conforto comes back and shows something uh, again, like he did in twenty nineteen. Jack, I think it has to be Newbar. Um, Renfro put up actually a pretty overrated. You know, not really talking about how bad enough it how bad it was enough last year season. Um, I'm going with Newbar just because he only played in a hundred games and um, still put up a very good rate numbers, 25% better offensively, is very good defensively, walks a decent amount, nearly 15%, and then on a rate basis is about a four-war player. So if there's anyone, I kind of I think if you're talking about a breakout candidate, we mentioned Corbin Carroll, we just talked about Riley Green, Lars Newtbar is certainly a name to watch. He's in a stacked Cardinals lineup. That's not really talked about as being potentially the best in all of baseball. And so when he's that good and surrounded by that many um, outstanding offensive players is on already an elite defensive player um in you know a platinum glove caliber team that recently was named that two years ago was named the best fielding team in baseball 
Um, Newt Barr is certainly someone who is in an environment in which he can thrive. And then the last player I will throw out there because I really wanted to fit him on my top 10, but he just was awful in 2022. But it wouldn't shock me if all of a sudden he returned to that all-star campaign form. That is Nick Castellanos. He's playing in the bandbox of Citizens Bank Park. According to Frank the Tank on our interview with us when he came on a couple of months ago, he said Nick Castellanos during the playoffs all of a sudden had angels in the outfield like defense. So if he even does half of that, Nick Castellanos could become a top 10 player at right field once again in the future. Bryce Harper is out for the beginning half of the season, so it appears that Castellanos will have to play right field as opposed to DHing when they initially signed him. So that'll be interesting to see. But Nick Castellanos is a name to watch. It doubles machine in the past. Hopefully year two in Philly no longer has the jitters of living up to a big time contract, especially with Trey Turner there being the superstar to go along with Schwarber and Harper and Hoskins and Real Mito. Castellanos can just be a role player. So that is a name to watch next season. So that concludes our positional rankings for position players. At least we will be back with starting pitchers and relievers in the future, as well as continue to do more interviews around the baseball world. Two more exciting ones coming up for you later on this week. So definitely make sure to go check those out as well as you can also check out all of these right fielders that we've mentioned in today's episode using SeatGeek, using the promo code SideRetiredPod in all capitals. You will get $20 off your first order to go see any of these guys at a ballpark near you. And of course, if you do end up using the SeatGeek promo code, go on Twitter, say at retired uh, at side retired pod and show us a nice little photo of you at the ballpark. We always love seeing those and more in fan engagement at the ballpark is always a positive mm-hmm. for baseball. So Jack, unless there's anything else you want to throw in nodding heads, shaking heads. So we will be back later this week. Cool interviews. So until the next time the side is retired. <laughs>